Tonight, the open borders globalists at the UN sign on to the Global Migration Compact, and it's exactly as terrifying as you'd think. I'm Roaming Millennial, and you're watching Uncensored. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Today's episode is not going to be a fun one. It's going to be a serious one and honestly, a little bit of an angry one. If you're someone who's been following me since my YouTube days, you'll know that I am not a fan of the United Nations, and I'm against them for several reasons. They're corrupt, they're ineffective, they take millions and millions of dollars from the West to fund anti-Western agendas, they give a platform to violent, authoritarian, anti-Semitic strongmen to hypocritically virtue signal against the US, they're an unending bureaucracy and they advocate for big government globalist policies. So overall, just not my cup of tea. And the latest thing to come out of the UN that really makes you wonder just why? Why do we give those a-holes any money? Why? Is something called the Global Compact for Safe, Orderly, and Regular Migration, which is commonly being referred to as the UN Migration Pact. Essentially, this pact aims to be the first international agreement concerning immigration procedures. And if you subscribe to Blaze TV, you'll already likely be familiar with the UN's efforts and advocacy in resettling migrants from the Middle East and North Africa in Europe. It's something we've talked about before on the show. And if you haven't seen those episodes, the TLDR is that the UN loves them some open borders. And that same the more the merrier approach is exactly what we see in this compact. The UN Migration Pact covers pretty much all aspects of migration and outlines 23 objectives dealing with everything from collecting data about immigration to the prospect of actually transferring social security and other earned benefits from home countries to whatever country a migrant might move to. Now to be fair, not everything outlined in the compact is awful. The document, which is 31 pages, actually not too long for this kind of thing, does go over stuff like combating human trafficking, which obviously is very important and is easier with international cooperation. And it also addresses the need to, quote, minimize the adverse drivers and structural factors that compel people to leave their country of origin. So even the UN agrees that ideally all countries on the planet should be stable and prosperous enough where we wouldn't have hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people needing or wanting to leave their nations to move to somewhere else. And interestingly enough, the compact even seems to affirm the idea that nations are sovereign and should have the ability to determine their own immigration procedures, which kind of sounds like the exact opposite of what the whole point behind this international immigration pact would be, but in any case, the compact states that, quote, the global compact reaffirms the sovereign right of states to determine their national migration policy and their prerogative to govern migration within their jurisdiction in conformity with international law. Within their sovereign jurisdiction, states may distinguish between regular and irregular migration status, including as they determine their legislative and policy measures for the implementation of the global compact. Ah, see already? Things are getting weird. That affirmation of state sovereignty kind of sounds like they're saying, don't worry guys, you can implement this migration pact in any way you see fit, as long as it's in keeping with international law, which we have, by the way, appointed ourselves the arbiters of. And in addition to that Orwellian doublespeak regarding sovereignty, no sovereignty, there are some words in there that seem kind of misplaced, which perhaps you noticed. And those terms are regular and irregular. The compact states that nations, quote, may distinguish between regular and irregular migration status, which for those of you who are uninitiated in the latest political correctness trends, refers to legal and illegal immigrants. 
That's right, we can't even say undocumented immigrants anymore. It's now irregular immigrants. And if anybody had any doubts about this compact, make no mistake. Its goal is to get countries to increase the number of migrants they take in. And I'm not being reactionary. That's literally objective five listed in the document, quote, enhance availability and flexibility of pathways for regular migration. It's right there. And I mean, sure, the UN at least makes the cursory distinctions between legal and illegal immigration, although they refuse to actually call it that. But it kind of seems like their goal here is just to increase legal immigration numbers to the point where it's like, why bother coming illegally? The welcome mat's been rolled out for you to come legally anyway. Throughout this entire document, migration is painted as this magical win-win, no possible downsides phenomenon. And the opening segment rosily describes how migration has, quote, been part of the human experience throughout history. And we recognize that it is a source of prosperity, innovation, and sustainable development in our globalized world. And that these positive impacts can be optimized by improving migration governance. I mean, I probably, maybe if it were me just saying, might have mentioned the rising sexual assault rates and Islamification going on in Europe and the resulting right-wing populism backlash, but your call. Totally your call. But aside from the mo migrants, mo better mentality that's essentially the backbone of this compact, what's extremely worrying is the document also advocates for extending government benefits to not just legal immigrants, which in and of itself I think is questionable, but also illegal immigrants. Objective 15 is listed as, quote, to provide access to basic services for migrants. The compact states that we commit to ensure that all migrants, regardless of their migration status, can exercise their human rights through through safe access to basic services. We further commit to strengthen migrant-inclusive service delivery systems, notwithstanding that nationals and regular migrants may be entitled to more comprehensive service provision, while ensuring that any differential treatment must be based on law, be proportionate, and pursue a legitimate aim in accordance with international human rights law. For those of us who don't speak bureaucrat, that passage explains that all migrants, including those present illegally, should have access to basic services, but that countries are allowed to differentiate between citizens legal immigrants and illegal immigrants for the administration of additional services. Now, I can see the attempt to at least placate those skeptical of migration here, but the problem is it's never explained exactly what a basic service is. The document says services related to exercising human rights, whatever that means, should be available to everyone present in the country regardless of their legal status. But keep in mind, these are the same people who would absolutely classify things like healthcare and even housing as human rights. So. By the rules of the compact, does that mean that countries need to provide things like shelter and medical care to illegal immigrants? At best, it's unclear. And the next worrying part of this pact is the way it deals with the conversation surrounding immigration. The intro to the document, pretty ominously if you ask me, says that, quote, we also must provide all our citizens with access to objective, evidence-based, clear information about the benefits and challenges of migration, with a view to dispelling misleading narratives that generate negative perceptions of migrants. What? That's, you're literally outright saying that your goal is to push a pro-migrant narrative with migrant propaganda and that you will combat any material that is anti-migrant. Like th This isn't a conspiracy theory. This is exactly what they're saying in their own documents that are free for public viewing. And I don't care who you are or where you're from, but that should terrify you. And what's also scary is the idea that people need to be primed with objective benefits of immigration, but that anything that could generate a negative perception of migrants must be misleading. What if the truth is that migrants aren't as great as you're saying? 
what then? But it doesn't end there. Objective 17 is quite curiously to eliminate all forms of discrimination and promote evidence-based public discourse to shape perceptions of migration. And look, I'm not a fan of discrimination, despite what the more cancerous parts of Twitter might be saying, and I do want evidence-based public discourse, but by now, you should really understand that by shape perceptions of migration, they really mean indoctrinate people into supporting migration. That's... That's what they meant there. The objective is explained as the desire to, quote, promote independent, objective, and quality reporting of media outlets, including internet-based information, which, hey, sounds pretty good. But wait, there's more, including by sensitizing and educating media professionals on migration-related issues and terminology, investing in ethical reporting standards and advertising, and stopping allocation of public funding or material support to media outlets that systematically promote intolerance, xenophobia, racism, and other forms of discrimination towards migrants, in full respect for the freedom of the media. They can tack on terms like freedom of the media as afterthoughts all they want, but they're not fooling anybody. And you know what I think they believe is racist, xenophobic, or discriminatory toward migrants? <laughs> Anything that says, hey, maybe we just take in fewer migrants. This pact makes it very clear that the country signing on will have a narrative to push. And in my opinion, looking at how mass migration has changed the landscapes of places like Germany, Sweden, France, and even the UK, I'd say it's a sinister one. So that's the compact in a nutshell, but you can read the full thing online. And the kicker is that as crazy as that all sounds to me, and I think to most reasonable people out there, 150 countries have agreed to it. And that that is shocking. Some of the countries that opted out, though, include the US, Australia, Austria, the Czech Republic, Dominican Republic, Hungary, Latvia, Poland, and Slovakia. So for all my American friends watching this right now, be thankful, be appreciative that your government and specifically your president care about the sovereignty of your borders, the ability for citizens to decide for themselves who comes in and out of their country, and that they care for the rule of law. Because probably, to no one's surprise, you, you know who did sign on to this flaming piece of fecal matter? My birthplace, Kanadistan. That's right, Justin, there's no such thing as Canadian values Trudeau, and the rest of his Liberal Party have jumped on the opportunity to sign away Canada's sovereignty and signal his virtue, much to the chagrin of the Conservative Party, which, if you don't know, is the next biggest political group in the country and the party that former Prime Minister Stephen Harper was a part of. Gosh, I miss him. And to quell and really dismiss the concerns of Canadians who don't want immigration to increase, i.e., 80% of Canadians, literally 80%, people have been reassuring those racists that don't worry, the compact isn't legally binding, so just don't worry about it. And it's true that in the compact, it actually does say that, quote, this global compact presents a non-legally binding cooperative framework, which makes it pretty clear that, yeah, this thing is not legally enforceable, but that raises the question then, why sign it in the first place? If your biggest selling point for something is, don't worry guys, we don't have to listen to it, that's not good. The Canadian government under Trudeau signed onto this compact because it believes in its mission. They believe Canada should be taking in more people and hey, benefits for everybody, why not help yourselves? I'm going to be perfectly blunt here. Someone being from a country that is worse off than our country does not give them the right to come to our country. We are extremely blessed to live in the West. We enjoy a standard of living, a level of equality, and a degree of political stability, which has never before been seen in the history of the world. For the people who live in developing parts of the world, who aren't as fortunate as we are, as much as it may suck, sadly, and this is just me being 
being realistic, it's not really any deviation from what the norm has been for the history of humankind. The developed world can't take in the entirety of the third world as some grand humanitarian effort because it's not like those poor countries are outliers. They're the majority. Most of the planet is poorer than us. We are the outliers. We can't save everybody. And even if in the West we were to appoint ourselves for some reason saviors of the human race, mass immigration would still not be the way to do that. Number one, it doesn't improve things in these people's native countries, where most of their fellow countrymen will be staying, just because... Like, regardless of how much George Soros may wish it were otherwise, we just cannot fit all of the Middle East and Africa and South America into the North American and European continents. We just can't. And not only does mass migration from developing countries not improve things for the people who are still in those developing countries, but it also doesn't make things better for the people in the countries they're moving to either. And with this, I want to be clear, I'm not saying immigration makes things worse. Because immigration in and of itself is such an ambiguous term, it's, it's honestly pretty much useless. I mean, immigration as a word doesn't say anything about the values, education, legal status, or number of the immigrants in question. Of course, there are studies out there that point to how immigrants are overrepresented in the US in things like the STEM fields and entrepreneurial endeavors, but hear me out. Just because Elon Musk may originally be from South Africa, that doesn't mean that the 30-year-old Somalian refugee who can't even read in his own language, let alone ours, is going to be the next Steve Jobs. I'm sorry that's an unpopular thing to say, but it's true, not all immigrants are the same. And for the people who complain that I'm being racist or xenophobic, the funny thing is, I'm not even against immigration as a concept. If you're from another country and you're smart, hardworking, you have a track record of success, plus you share common values with us, specifically Judeo-Christian values, plus you're willing to work to assimilate into our culture, then I am absolutely, 100%, and I'm dead serious about this, in favor of a system that allows people to apply for immigration, be properly vetted, and then come in legally. I believe in a meritocratic society. I want the world's best and brightest to come here because, frankly, I want my country to benefit from their brilliance. I'm, I'm kind of selfish like that. But that's not the type of policy the UN advocates for, and it's definitely not the type of policy that is delineated in this global migration compact. But that's all I have to say for now. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.